800-900-800-900. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. shelter from the coming storm all creation shakes at the mention of his name he has power over life and death every knee will bow and tongue confess heaven and earth will proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father will you bow will you surrender he can save you from the might of all your sin. This is the fight in which he stands. In perfect victory, while you have breath, you have a choice to make in life. Turn away from your sin And believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to come While you have breath. 
Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. On April 18 of this year, I fell down the stairs at my home and broke my hip. It was a very painful fall. It took me several hours to get up off the floor and onto a chair. And I have been broken now at this wall of God's love, going into almost the end of three months. Well, did you call a doctor? Did you call 911? Did you? No, I didn't. I want to tell you why. I shared earlier with you, and some of this will be repeat, but stay with me. It has a purpose. The Lord spoke audibly to me some time ago. He said, wait upon the Lord. Pause. And then he said, the Lord will carry you through. Pause. And then he said, Ray, enter my rest. Well, I didn't know what that meant. I've learned a great deal about that in these long weeks and days since the accident. The Lord said, wait upon the Lord. He didn't say, call a doctor. I'm not against doctors, but I am for Jesus. And so I'm waiting. And frankly, I'm waiting at what I've come to know as the wall of God's love. You can sit because that's all I can do or shuffle with a chair. I wait on the Lord. Well, how long should I wait? Would you wait one month, two months, three months, six months? How long would you wait on the Lord? There are bigger issues at play much bigger issues at play. A medical team was sent out from a fine church today to Indonesia. 20-some 
professionals to do a medical intervention for eight days. I think that's wonderful. Praise God, there are doctors willing to use their skill and go to Indonesia at their own expense and do a medical intervention. I admire them. But I have a question. Why did they send their 20 medical personnel and not healers? Why did they not send healers who could just with a touch and a word heal a cripple or restore the blind or heal the cancer? Why send doctors to do what a medical team can do but not send a team of healers to do it in a fraction of the time and have time to witness that Jesus is the one who did it. Now, I'm not trying to be foolish. I want to make my point. They didn't send a team of healers because they don't have a team of healers. They sent doctors because that's what they have. Thank God they have the doctors. But they don't have the healers. That is to say... And I don't mean to make you upset. That is to say, the truth is, the American church does not have the Holy Spirit. Now, we have enough Holy Spirit to shout and dance and spit, drop down on the floor when somebody gives us a little nudge. But we don't have the Holy Spirit. If we have the Holy Spirit, we should have healers that function like the early church. I won't go into the argument of do we have apostles today? I don't know of any. All that I know of are false apostles. But in the New Testament church, there was Stephen. He was not an apostle. And there were others also identified who were healers. It's one of the gifts of the Spirit And so as I have come to this place of being crippled before the wall of God's love, how long should I wait? Is the Holy Spirit worth waiting for? You'd all say yes. For what, one night? Is he worth waiting for Three months, six months, a year? Is the Holy Spirit worth waiting for? What would happen if all of the Christian churches in America closed down all of their worship service? Had everyone come to the worship service and sit in silence for that hour? What if they extended that to, say, three hours once a week where we just come and we're silent before God and we ask for the gift of repentance 
what would happen in the Christian church? I won't venture a guess, but you may. If the programs stopped, if the pastor ceased being a manager of programs and became a healer, an evangelist, what might happen in the Christian church? The Christian church is being eviscerated. It's being destroyed in America. We are a powerless body of people. We are a toothless granny. Something has to change. We can't keep going the direction we're going or the same thing is happening in America that has and is now happening in England where cathedrals and churches are being turned into bed and breakfast or rentals or party houses because there is no church very concerned because of what I see happening in the church. Well, what am I willing to do about it? I'm willing to lay down my life and wait on the Holy Spirit to come. He's promised me he will heal me, but he didn't say when. So I wait. Now, please, try just sitting on the couch for one day. You can't walk. You can't go outside. I haven't been out for, yay, this entire time. I, I sit on the couch. Well, you can read your Bible. Well, yes, I can, but before the accident happened... I lost a lens. So now I try to read with one eye. Well, you can go on your cell phone and you can go to the internet. Yes, I could entertain myself. I'm not on that couch broken at the wall of God's love to to entertain myself. I've turned off my cell phone. I've turned off the internet except as I come to prepare for this broadcast. See, what would happen if we turn off our lives and we say, Holy Spirit, I have no life without you. I need you. You can sit on the couch for an hour or two hours or three hours and entertain yourself with your mind. But at some point, What do you do? Especially when it's a haze of pain that sometimes contains you and you don't have any options. You're not going to take any medication. You're not going to take pain medication. You're going to wait before God. But that waiting before God is so often... In this situation, such a painful place to be as 
as you wait at that wall. What do I mean wall? I mean there's no way through the wall. You wait on God. He commanded me, wait on God. Wait, wait on the Lord. And the promise is the Lord would carry you through. And I trust the Lord to carry this broadcast through by moving in the hearts of people, causing them to give of their resources so that the broadcast can stay on the air. And if it doesn't, I'll go off the air and I'll sit on my couch waiting for God like blind Bartimaeus waiting for Jesus to come by. See, I'm not into this intellectual garbage of the modern church where we want strategies for success and and time management and, and we want conflict resolution and we want... How about we want Jesus? How about we want Jesus? Is he enough for you? I don't mean to cause you concern. Don't be concerned for me, please. Just pray for me. But I'm waiting for Jesus to come by. And he said he would. I have entered the rest of Jesus. And I shared that on this broadcast and how you can enter the rest of Jesus. But today I'm going to go back and share with you what I have read so many times I've worn the book out. It's a piece by Reese Howells. Norman Grubb was the author of the book Reese Howells, The Intercessor. You realize there are no intercessors today except as the Holy Spirit prays through people. You can pray and you can pray and you can pray, but you're not an intercessor until the Holy Spirit prays through you. That's what being an intercessor means. It's not just intense prayer. The Buddhists have intense prayer. No, it's, it's the Holy Spirit praying through you. It's the Holy Spirit's heart. It's Jesus' heart praying through you. Well, let me read this and it'll give you more context. The meeting with the Holy Spirit was just as real to Reese Howells as his meeting with the Savior those years before. I saw him as a person apart from flesh and blood, and he said to me, As the Savior has a body, so I dwell in the cleansed temple of the believer. I am a person. I am God. And I am come to ask you to give your body to me that I may work through it. I need a body for my temple. First Corinthians, the sixth chapter, verse 19. 
I'll read that scripture to you quickly. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? We are not You are not your own. You were bought at a price. In other words, you belong to Jesus. Most who call themselves Christians in America do not belong to Jesus. They belong to themselves. And they have included Jesus and say, we own Jesus. Impossible. You can't add Jesus to an already full and may I say, even wicked life. It doesn't work that way. Jesus adds you to his life and washes you and cleanses you by the power of the shed blood at Calvary. He goes on. I need a body for my temple, but it must belong to me without reserve. For two persons with different wills can never live in the same body. Will you give me yours? Romans 12.1 But if I come in, I come as God, and you must go out. Colossians, the third chapter. Verses 2 and 3. I shall not mix myself with yourself. He made it very plain that he would never share my life. I see the honor he gave me in offering to indwell me. But there were many things very dear to me, and I knew he wouldn't keep one of them. The change he would make was very clear. He meant every bit of my fallen nature was to go to the cross. It meant every bit of my fallen nature was to go to the cross. And he would bring his own life and his own nature. It was an unconditional surrender. From the meeting, Reese went out into a, a field where he cried his heart out because, as he said, I had received a sentence of death as really as a prisoner in the court. I had lived in my body for 26 years. And could I easily give it up? Who would give his life up for another in an hour? Why does a man struggle when death comes if it's easy to die? I knew that the only place fit for the old nature was on the cross. Paul makes that very plain in Romans, the sixth chapter. But once this is done in reality, it is done forever. I cannot run into this I intended to do it, but oh, the cost. I wept for days. I lost seven pounds in weight 
just because I saw what he was offering me. How I wished I'd never, never seen it. One thing he reminded of was that he'd only come to take what I'd already promised the Savior, not in part, but in whole. Since he died for me, I had died to him. And I knew that the new life was his and not mine. That had been clear in my mind for three years. So he had only come to take what was his own. I saw that only the Holy Spirit in me could live like the Savior lived. Everything he told me appealed to me. It was only a a question of loss. A great loss in doing it. I didn't give my answer in a moment. He didn't want me to. It took five days to make the decision. I stopped. You've been a Christian for how many years? And have you ever yet made the decision to give Jesus Christ everything of your life and your heart? Have you ever just given it all to Jesus? Have you ever said yes and meant it? Have you ever just said yes and meant it? You see, we have plenty of options to entertain ourselves. We have television, we have movies, have to have several of those a week. We have unending food and quality food, or junk food if you prefer. We have jobs and we have money and we have cars and we have, we have it all. Why would we want to give it all to Jesus? Have you made that decision? Really? Or have you just added Jesus to your already full life and you have feasted on the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? You've had a wonderful, wonderful time. And then here comes Pastor Ray and says, why don't you just join me at the wall of God's love? Oh, you don't have to break any bones. I'll remind you, the week before the fall, I'd been saying, Jesus, please break me. If you don't break me, I'm never going to surrender to you. Okay, Ray, I heard you. It's done. (laughs) And I broke my hip. Well, it took five days. Days spent alone with Jesus. Like Isaiah, I saw the holiness of God. And seeing him, I saw my own corrupt nature. It wasn't sin, sins that I saw, but nature touched by the fall. 
I was corrupt to the core. I knew I had to be cleansed. I saw there was as much difference between the Holy Spirit and myself as between light and darkness. I too have come to that place where I've seen the utter corrupt nature and I see Jesus removing it. The Holy Spirit was dealing with me, exposing the root of my nature, which was self. And you can only get out of a thing what's in its root. Sin was canceled. And it wasn't sin he was dealing with, it was self. That thing which came from the fall. He was not going to take any superficial surrender. He put his finger on each part of my self-life. And I had to decide in cold blood. He could never take a thing away until I gave my consent. Then the moment I gave it, some purging took place. Isaiah 6, verses 6 and 7. And I could never touch that thing again. It was not saying I was purged and the thing still having a hold on me. No, it was a breaking and the Holy Spirit taking control. Day by day, the dealing went on. He was coming in as God. I had lived as a man. What is permissible to an ordinary man he told me, will not be permissible to you. Do you want this experience with the Holy Spirit? Do you want the Holy Spirit to come and convict you of your sin and of your wicked, sinful nature? Are you willing to say yes and mean it? Are you willing to leave this wicked culture and become a real Christian? What are you willing to do? Well, the Holy Spirit, step by step, Replace the self-nature with Reese Howells with the divine nature. First, there was Reese's love of money, that root of all evil which had formerly taken Reese to America. The Lord told him that he would take out of his nature all taste for money and any ambition for ownership of money. I had to consider what that meant. Money would be no more to me than I was to than it was to John the Baptist or to the Savior. To an extent this was dealt with in my new birth. But now the Holy Spirit was getting at the root of the issue. 
The dealings on that lasted a whole day. And by the evening, his attitude toward money had entirely changed. Let's just do a quick check. What is your attitude toward money? What is your attitude toward money? Do you pay tithe? Do you give extra? Do you take care of the poor? Or is all of your money to take care of you? If the Lord tells you that you have wronged someone and you owe restitution, will you quickly part with that money to make restitution? Or are you full of your own lust for money? One man told me, a very bright guy, he told me, I want to become a billionaire. I said, why would you want to become a billionaire? So I could help people and so I could build the kingdom of God. He is totally deceived. You don't build the kingdom of God with money. You support it with money. But the Holy Spirit is the one who builds the kingdom of God. You don't want to be a Mr. Soros to the Christian church. How ugly that would be. We've seen the wickedness he's done to our culture. Then there was the fact that he would never have the right to choose a wife. That God would choose the wife for him if he was to have a wife. I saw I could never give my life up to another person to live to one and that one alone. Could the Savior have given his life and attention to that one person? Instead, he gave his attention to the world. Neither could the Holy Spirit. He took plenty of time to show me exactly what it would mean. The life he would live would be for the world. Was I willing for that? I hope you caught that. Reese is saying that the Holy Spirit is instructing him, telling him that his life is not going to be lived for himself. It's to be lived for others. Among other things, he dealt with was ambition. How could he have any say if the Holy Spirit came in? The way the Lord showed it to him was like this. Supposing he had a mission in a town, another mission opened in the same place. If there was jealousy between the two, it was better for the town, and it was better for the town only to have one. Then it would be his which, which would have to close. Or suppose that he and another man should apply for the same job. He would have to let the other have it. Or if he were earning 12 shillings a day, 
and a man with a family was earning much less, the spirit could tell him to give his job to that man. He saw that the Holy Spirit, in ways like that, taking the place of the other, suffering instead of him, was he willing for that? Yes, he was. On the fifth day, his reputation was touched. As he was thinking of men of the Bible who were full of the Holy Spirit, and particularly John the Baptist, the Lord said to him, Then I may live through you the kind of life I live through him. As a Nazarite, clothed in camel's hair, living in a desert, even in this, or what might be its modern equivalent, a real decision had to be made. If I live my life in you, and that is the kind of life I choose, you cannot say no to me. By Friday night, each point had been faced. He knew exactly what was being offered and the choice between the temporal and eternal gain. The Spirit summed the issue up for him. On no account will I allow you to cherish a single thought of self, and the life I will live in you will be 100% for others. You will never be able to save yourself any more than the Savior could save himself while he was on earth. Now, are you willing? And Reese was to give his final answer. That night a friend came to him. If some of us come over after the meeting, will you tell us of your position in Christ? Now, just a heads up. They had meetings every night. Reese went to to meeting every night. Not today. The modern church, the prayer meeting is poorly attended. They've canceled most of them. No. We don't go we don't want to go listen to preaching every night. I'm grateful that you listen to preaching every day. At once the Spirit challenged him. How can you do that? You've seen the position of the overcomers, but you have not entered in. I've been dealing with you for five days. You must give me your decision by six o'clock tonight. And remember, you must go out. On no account will I allow you to bring in a cross current Where I send you, you will go, and what I say to you, you will do. It was the final battle of the will. Well, what is a cross current here? A cross current is something that I decide I want to do. It's the uh, sporting event that I want to go to. It's It's the will of man to do something that is not in line with Jesus Christ. It may be the the violent video game. It may be 
playing risk. He said, where I send you, you will go. What I say to you, you will do. I asked him for more time. But he said, you will not have a minute after six o'clock today. When I heard that, it was exactly as if a wild beast was roused in me. You gave me a free will, I answered, and now you force me to give it up. I do not force you, he replied. But for three years you have been saying that you are not your own and that you wanted to give your life back to the Savior as completely as he gave his for you. Oh, I climbed down in an instant. The way I had said it was an insult to the Trinity. I am sorry, I told him. I didn't mean to insult you. You are not forced to give up your will, he said. But six o'clock, I will take your decision. After that, you will never get another chance. It was my last offer. My last chance. I saw the throne, Revelation 3.21, and all my future for eternity going. I said, please forgive me. I want to do it. Once more, the question came. Are you willing? Ten minutes to six. I wanted to do it, but I could not. Your mind is keen when you're tested. And in a flash it came to me, how can self be willing to give up self? Five to six came. I was afraid of those last few minutes. I could count the ticking of the clock. And then the Spirit spoke again. If you can't be willing, would you like me to help you? Are you willing to be made willing? Take care, the enemy whispered, when a stronger person than yourself is on the other side. To be willing, to be made willing is just the same as being willing. As I was thinking upon this point, I looked at the clock. It was one minute to six. I bowed my head and I said, Lord, I'm willing. Within an hour, the third person of the Godhead had come in. He gave Reese that word in Hebrews ten nineteen, having therefore boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Immediately, Reese said, I was transported into another realm within that sacred veil where the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit live. And there I heard God speaking to me, and I've lived there ever since. When the Holy Spirit enters, he comes in to abide forever. To the blood be the glory. How I adored the grace of God it is God who goes so far as to give us repentance. It was God who helped me to give up my will. There were some things he'd asked for during the week that I was able to give because I was the master of them. But when he asked me to give up myself and my will, I found I could not until he pulled me through. 
my brother, my sister. I'm going to wait on God. And I'm going to wait at the wall of brokenness. The wall of God's love. How long will I wait? I will wait until the Holy Spirit comes. Or until I die. This is not an optional exercise. Are you willing to lay your life down for Jesus Christ and get serious with him? If you are, I invite you to come to the prayer chapel. I speak there on Sundays, 10 a.m. Go to our webpage. You'll see the address. You're welcome to come. I also want to tell you we're really low on finances. If the Lord's been prompting you to give, now would be a wonderful time to give. I trust Jesus. I trust the word of the Holy Spirit. I trust what he's doing. Do I like being laid at this wall of brokenness? No, I don't. Pain is never easy. But the Holy Spirit, he's right here. But has he entered? No. But oh, how he's been dealing with me. He's dealt with me on money. He's dealt with me on reputation. I mean, obviously now, I'm all washed up. I'm finished. Any kind of normal Christian life, any kind of respected Christian life, it's all right. I want Jesus. I want the Holy Spirit. I want the Father. Now, some of you may say, oh, Pastor, you're too radical for me. Okay, I get it. I didn't ask you to accept me. I asked you to accept Jesus. Am I walking in Jesus? Yes. Yes, I'm walking in Jesus. Almighty God, I don't know how to even begin rationally to speak with people who claim to be filled with the Holy Spirit, but it's obvious it's a kundalini spirit. There's no deep repentance. There's just the Buddhist spirit of drunkenness. There's not the deep crying out to the living God. I pray, Lord, you'll take this broadcast today and use it to touch the hearts of men and women who are serious about you, Jesus, who want you, who are hungry for you, who are willing to do whatever it takes to wait upon the Lord, to allow you to carry them,
And Lord, I know that there are people listening today who are in deep pain. I'm praying that you will meet them. And I'm asking you to heal them in the name of Jesus. I don't want to embarrass any of them by naming them, but I know them. Lord, I'm asking for healing in the name of Jesus. I'm asking for total release in their hearts to serve you and to walk with you and to serve others. Lord, there's such a desperation in my heart for the American church that you will turn the church away from its self-absorption. Lord, all we want to do is build bigger and better facilities and fill them with brush. But there's no Holy Spirit ignition to set them on fire. So the church in America has failed its mission. It's preached love, 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 love. Tolerance, tolerance, tolerance. Lord, you're a God of justice and mercy. I pray, almighty God, that this was helpful. And I pray for your healing in my brothers and sisters. And there are others who have deep wounds in their spirit, and even perhaps I've caused that. Lord, I pray that you will heal my brothers and sisters of the wounds of their heart. There are others who are terrified of what they see in the future. I ask that you would take the fear from their hearts that you would fill their hearts with hope and with joy and with freedom. For you did not give us a spirit of fear. Lord, thank you. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Well, you've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenlee from the National Prayer Chapel. I'd love to see you on a Sunday. Would you come visit? You can come one time as a visitor. After that, your family. <laughs> Deal? I know beyond any doubt that there are many of you listening who need the Holy Spirit. Well, I'm not going to back away. So I'll look for you to either come and visit the National Prayer Chapel or I'll look for you to write to me and send the gift that the Holy Spirit has been calling you to give. That's National Prayer Chapel. Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. That's National Prayer Chapel. Post Office Box 2346, 
Woodbridge, Virginia. Now you can also go to our webpage. It's much faster for you and easier. You can give by going online, nationalprayerchapel.com, and then just donate online. And it will go to a central clearinghouse, and they will forward that offering to our bank. So uh, whatever's easiest for you. No, maybe I shouldn't say that. Maybe I should say whatever's hardest for you. <laughs> you hear what I'm saying. And I pray today will be a day of peace and joy in your heart, regardless of your physical condition. It's not easy to be broken, your back broken, or whatever the issue is for you. It's not easy. I know that. But give it to Jesus. Let him encourage your heart. He loves you. You can trust him. He'll carry you. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon. The great